0: Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is
0: Jay Wright. This is Quick Dick, Quick Dick coming to you from Toughness, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Theo Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, Hockey Net in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast.
1: Man, I just enjoy getting intro'd like that. <laughs> I mean, happy Wednesday. How's everybody doing? I'm doing fan-freaking-tastic. Um, I recorded this before the 12-hour Radiothon, so if we really blew it up or bombed it, I guess I, I'm not doing so well, but I assume we killed it. I went, do I want to record this after, and you can just hear how tired I am from being on air for 12 hours? Or do I want it, to record it a night before? I got free time so I can talk and I'm I'm ready to roll. I'm excited for it. And I went, well, you know where my head's at. Um, we got a great one on tap for you today. I hope your Wednesday's going great. Uh, before we get to today's episode, let's get to today's episode sponsors. Carly Kloss and the team over at Windsor Plywood, they've signed back on for 2021. They're the builders of my kick-ass podcast studio table. For everything wood, these are the guys, whether you're talking about mantles, decks, windows, doors, sheds, when you want quality, stop in and see the group at Windsor Plywood. Or just hop on your phone and take a look at their Instagram or their Facebook page. I'm telling you, top-notch stuff. Give them a call, 780-875-9663. Clinton team over at Trophy Gallery. Championship belts, custom medals, diecast signage, name tags, engravings on Yetis and Brewmates, business awards in crystal and glass. They ship Canada-wide. Go to trophygallery.ca. They got over 5,000 products online. And if you use the promo code NEWMAN, you get 15% off. Any sport, anytime. bodybuilding to hockey, go visit Trophy Gallery, trophygallery.ca. HSI Group, they are the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliance system working for you. The team also offers security, like at our building here. Every time I come in here late, a little, swa- a little key card, boom, you're in the building nice and quick. You don't got to stand out in the cold and fidget with keys. Uh, they offer security, surveillance, automation products, residential, commercial, livestock, agricultural applications. Uh, these are the guys. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Give them a call today, 306-825-6310. Clay Smiley over at Profit River. He was working his bag off on, on Saturday. I stopped in. We were setting up for, for the 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 health foundation's radiothon so i was there most of the day saturday and clay was in too the guy never takes a break i swear i'm talking about profit river they're the real retailer of firearms optics and accessories serving all of canada they specialize in importing firearms from the united states hard to find calibers rare firearms special editions i promise you you won't find anyone better than mr clay smiling so check them out at profitriver.com gartner management Lloyd, Lloyd Minster based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Of course, the podcast is housed in a Wade Gartner managed facility. And let me tell you, he is top freaking notch. Whether you're looking for a small office or a 6000 square foot commercial space, Wade Gartner's man. Give him a call, 780 808 5025. And finally, if you haven't checked out the SMP Billboard or my quote on the wall from Joe Rogan or my S&P logo behind my head on 85% of my my podcast with video, it's all been done by, by the team at Read&Write. They, they have done an excellent job. So whether you're looking for outdoor advertising or maybe a, a frosted window or a quote on the wall, the guys at Read&Write, the ladies at Read&Write, they do an amazing job. Now, if you're in any of these businesses, I know COVID has got us on lockdown, but make sure you find a way to just let them know you heard about them here. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit Podcast.com. Top right corner, hit the contact button and send me your info. Now, let's get on to that T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. Originally from St. Albert, Alberta. He spent time in Junior A playing for the Camero's Kodiaks, who lost in the 2005 Royal Bank Cup to the Weyburn Red Wings. He spent two years playing for the Chilliwack Bruins of the WHL, five years between the Springfield Falcons and the Syracuse Crunch of the AHL. He then ended up playing games for the Colorado Avalanche, the New York Rangers, the Boston Bruins, and now, currently, for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I'm talking about Nick Holden, so buckle up, here we go say uh this is your name and welcome to the sean newman podcast
0: this is my name and welcome to this <clears throat> this is this is nick holden and welcome to the sean newman podcast
1: Welcome yeah. to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by uh, Vegas Golden Knights defenseman Nick Holden. So, first off, uh, thanks for hopping on, big fella.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, I man, I I read a bit about your story. I was talking with Dean. Dean's the one who hooked me up. Uh, I'm looking at your story and I go like, well, I'll I'll let you explain a bit about it. But I'm like, man, that's that's unusual. Your your road to where you are right now isn't exactly. Um, you know get drafted in the second round uh, second year in, start playing for whatever club stay there for five years and carry on Um, you're originally from St. Albert and uh, by the sounds of what I read you didn't really have high dreams or big dreams of making the NHL you want to just talk us through uh, maybe early on
0: sure Uh, I mean a kid growing up in in Canada uh, in St. Albert I think when I was really young, uh, I had all the dreams of playing in the NHL. Uh, I wanted to play for the Oilers. The Detroit Red Wings were my favorite team, and so um, I'd say early on, I had I, I always wanted to play in the NHL. When you're playing street hockey or at the outdoor rink, you're wanting to to play for uh, an NHL team. And then as I got a little bit, uh, probably into my early teens, hockey just wasn't a priority for me as much. And I didn't want to, I didn't really want to play. And my mom and dad wanted me to just continue to play uh, Our family. My brother, older brother played my, my younger sister played. Um, my dad I, had played in the age AJ, AJ. So.
1: Can I ask um, why you didn't want to play anymore?
0: Um, I think at, at that time um, I had been playing kind of the top uh, levels in St. Albert. And so I had played, uh you know double double yeah tier whatever Yeah, yeah i played adam double a and it was really serious and um there was a lot of uh kind of as a kid for me it seemed like a lot of fighting uh like arguing and stuff like that and my personality i don't i didn't really like that and so uh i shied away from it a little bit but mom and dad just wanted me to continue to play they um they thought it was important uh hockey now that I'm older and stuck with it uh it's so valuable teaching you life lessons and stuff like that and I think uh, they knew that at the time and so they wanted me to continue and so they didn't push me uh to play uh at a high level they just said well just continue to play uh and so I did and, and I played through uh my p my second year peewee I didn't even try out for kind of rep hockey or anything I just played and then bantam same thing I didn't even try out just played um house league interlock hockey and uh midget i was the year that they switched all the midget and so i only had one year of bantam then went to midget and i tried out for the rep i started enjoying hockey again and really got started getting passionate about it and so played midget single a my first year midget double a my second year midget triple a my third year midget uh i was fortunate, fortunate that uh you you know, you know how like-
1: you 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 say that like yeah you know, i just kinda like you know how cool that is like you, there are so many parents kids whatever i'm i'm this little short stocky 5 foot 6 yeah. 5 foot 7 guy you know and uh that's cool it's it's just it's nice to i think it's always good for parents to hear that uh you know like you don't have to, like what you're saying is, I mean, not that everyone can have a story like that, but yeah. you know, at the same time, let your kid find their path, right? Like obviously sure. kept in Whether hockey, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Even if it's not hockey, if it's something else, your, your kids are going to sort out what they're good at and, and just support them. And my parents were great for that. And, um, I was, I was gifted and blessed with, with a uh, gift to play hockey. And so, I was able to kind of take some time. I don't want to say off cause I still played, but, uh, time plus, to really kind of yeah. enjoy, enjoy hockey and not worry about playing at a super high level where it's very competitive and stressful and, and stuff like that. And so once I started getting back into it, I loved it. And I just, I kept my, my, uh, thing was always just, let's see how far I can take it. Okay. I made midget single a. next year. Let's, I made midget double A. My third year, I went to Camrose camp, and I almost made uh, the Kodiaks out of camp. Uh, Boris sent me back to midget triple A. Played my year there. Got to play a ton. It was an awesome year. Uh, when we were done, they were still going. They had a really good team that year. Ended up going to the RBC in Weyburn.
1: I watched uh, that game on television. Uh, I'm a year yes. older. Than, I'm a year older than you. So I watched okay. that yeah. goal go in where uh i well, you you were there you you were there yeah
0: yeah it was uh for me i mean it was obviously uh kind of a whirlwind situation for me because i got called up a little bit at the end of their regular season didn't play throughout the playoffs but i was around the team um practiced every once in a while was around for some of the games uh and then i i hadn't skated for like a month, and I get this call from Boris. My high school graduation is happening the following weekend, the following Friday. I get a call from Boris, and he goes, hey, have you been skating? (laughs) And I just said, oh, yeah, I've been skating. haven't been on the ice for a month. And he goes, well, can you fly down to Weyburn? A couple of our D-men are hurt. Can you play? And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) And so – I was like, I, I told him, I'm like, Hey, I got a, I got my graduation on Friday. So I'm going to have to fly back. And he's like, that's okay. Because if we make the whatever semis, we play Thursday, then Saturday's the semis. I am like, okay, sweet. So I go down there. I get to play a couple of the round robin games. And then uh, some of the older guys that were hurt played in the semis and the finals uh, just because they, it was kind of their last hurrah, but yeah, just standing um in the corner when that when that play happened uh I mean I, if I was on that team full time I wasn't there for everything throughout the year and my heart sank when that play happened because it was it was nobody's fault it was like I, I think it was Travis Friedley was kind of maybe yelling for him to play it and and Thompson was going to cover it and then he heard that and started to almost t- and they just poked it and it was just like that's that was the reaction everyone in the corner we were all just like
1: that was the reaction on 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 the television that that yeah. that's exactly how i le- I was like 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 what <laughs> like that's such yeah. a heartbreaking way to lose lose yeah. a, a a royal bay. for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about it was a yeah. 2-2 game with what like a couple minutes left on
0: the clock i don't even think i think there was like a minute i think there was a minute 20 i think it was a minute 20 left on the clock and it was like and a it was harmless just, it was a yeah no harmless dump it. In. yeah it was a harmless dump in and yeah thompson stopped it easily with his paddle and he just had it and then he started putting his glove over top of it and then i think i think he was freed i can't remember but i think it was a and he just he went to start to play it and then he was like okay the guy's too close and went to try and cover it and the guy just swung his stick and it poked through his legs we were just we were literally in the corner that that happened and we were just like and it was just that was it and then we had an 11-hour bus ride home the next morning and it was like crickets on the bus you just you're playing movies but everyone just the guys are just obviously in a in a bad spot but yeah it was uh well, it was wild, but
1: as good as uh well. I mean, right now in the ajhl Brooks uh, has been an absolute powerhouse. Spruce Grove, Sherwood Park, Crusaders have been really good. But mm-hmm. back in that day, the Camrose Kodiaks were one-two with you know who was it? Fort I, Mac, maybe. Well, like,
0: yeah, it was for, so. It was like right before I came into the to the AJ. It was like Grand Prairie had just hosted the to the RBC, so they were really good. Uh, my brother actually played on that team. And then Fort Mac had been good for years. And then Camrose in the South, I don't think there was anyone that ever came close to touching them, uh, really, at that time. And then uh, I played. After that, I think they went to the RBC every second year uh, for a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, Brooks came in and just – I think they – did a great job with scouting and facility and uh, bringing guys in from outside of Alberta. I think that was the biggest thing with, uh, with the Camrose was, it was mostly Alberta guys. Uh, And so uh, Boris somehow always found (laughs) guys out of Calgary that were just studs and and goal scorers. And obviously when you have a good team, guys want to play there. And uh, at that time guys were getting drafted every year and um guys were getting scholarships and stuff like that so uh it was a great team to be a part of well
1: you you end up going to uh the Chilliwack Bruins which I I, I like watching where your career goes I, I kind of chuckled to myself as I'm going through because I'm like oh Chilliwack Bruins aren't there anymore right like <laughs> oh I
0: still I'm still chuckling that I'm where I'm at yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was wild because when I, um, the general manager of that Chilliwack team, he's from St. Albert. And so I think he was scouting Edmonton area pretty hard cause just cause he had, that's kind of where he was from. And so he, he was kind of all over me that year I was playing in Camrose and saying, Hey, would you come, would you sign and come play in, in Chilliwack next year? I would I would have been a 19 year old rookie going to the dub, and growing up obviously the WHL is like the league. For I mean the NHL is obviously awesome, but it seems so unattainable. The WHL is like if you make the dub, your your hockey career is awesome. And so <laughs> when he's talking to me, I'm like, I can't play in the WHL. What is this guy talking about? And so I I just I kind of kept telling him, you know what? I, I want to get a scholarship. Uh, I want to finish my year in, in Camrose and probably play next year in Camrose and hopefully get a scholarship somewhere. He's like, he respected that, but he, he never let it go. He would just kind of come back every couple months and say, Hey, have you changed your mind at all? Well, November, I get traded from Camrose to Short Park. I literally go from at the time, the best organization, to, unfortunately, Sherwood Park at that time was one of, they were just the bottom. And so it was like, I'm back living at home. And it, it was just a, a little bit of a mind change. At the end of the year, I had a couple schools kind of talking to me, but not really. And so I just said to my mom I'm, and my mom and dad, I just said, you know what? I'd started my plumbing apprenticeship actually while I was playing in Sherwood Park and I really enjoyed it. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to just see how far I can take hockey. If, if hockey doesn't work out, I really enjoyed plumbing. I'll continue to do that. And so mom and dad, again, super supportive. They're like, absolutely. And so I didn't, I went down to Chilliwack that, that following year. And I didn't sign. I, I said, I'm not signing anything until I get there. I can see, I can actually play at this level. So I went down there didn't sign anything throughout all the training camp, everything got to the very end. And I said, okay, I guess let's, let's do this. And so I signed there and, uh, I, I love my time. My two years in Chilliwack there. It was a great time.
1: You know, I, when I have, uh, the younger guys on, or heck when I have guys, it doesn't matter really about playing in the dub. Everybody always talks about the bus trips, uh, the long bus trips, um, what was, what was the, the one bus trip you, uh, well, maybe you loved being on the bus. I don't know. Or maybe you hated being on the bus, but in the dub, you guys were on the bus an awful lot. Is there any no. memorable ones that stick out where you're like, Frick X happened, or, uh, maybe you guys had a really good going and you made a tour and, and won a bunch of hockey games. I'm not sure.
0: Uh, we were an expansion team. So every year we, we squeaked into the playoffs and, uh, so, I don't ever remember us having a really good run of anything. We would win games, but it wasn't like we were putting. We had, I think, at I one of my years, maybe my second year, we had an 11 game losing streak. So, I remember that. But um, Prince, so our division was Vancouver. And at that time, they were the absolute powerhouse. So, we would play them because we, we played them in the playoffs both years. And we played him in exhibition and then you played them like 12 times in regular season. So they, they would just beat us up. So it was who is, like who, is who is, who is the year.
1: guy on the Giants back then?
0: The guy, there was more than one. Lucic was there. <laughs> <like, laughs> their decor, their decor. I think every one of their decor played in the NHL. It was like Cody Franson, Jonathan Blum, Brendan Mickelson, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like the list went Brett uh, Brett Ragnar, It was like the list went on and on. Their forwards were like Michael Repic, Mach Mahachak. It was like ridiculous. And what so was, they what would, was
1: what was trying to slow Lucic down like back then?
0: You wouldn't. You just get out of the way. <laughs> it was, it's the same as now. I mean, you just you let them sleep or try it, few And then obviously one of the the like third fourth line guys would be like nah and go try and run them and then he'd wake up and just start burying people scoring goals and you're like oh thanks man I really want to go back on these pucks right now but so it was like Vancouver Kamloops Kelowna but then Prince George was in our division it was like a 10-hour drive from Chilliwack and so we'd have to go up there and it was you'd go up there for two games no fans in, in the building. Cause at the time, PG wasn't very good. And it was just like, what are we doing up here right now? Like, this is useless. <laughs> and they would win one. We would win one and then we'd go home and it would be like, you're going, our bus driver was our radio guy. And so he would drive us up there, <laughs> call the games, and then he would drive home. And so he's got to be snoozing, but he's, <laughs> he's flying around these turns in the mountains, snow everywhere and so you don't sleep a wink you're like lying there like please don't die please don't die please don't die <laughs> so i think that would probably be the most memorable was like coming down on these hairpin turns and he's just cruising but
1: you know i, I played my junior a out in dryden ontario and we used to play a uh, marathon and it was on like the north side of lake superior and when you go around the top side of superior it is like it's more dangerous in the mountains I swear and our bus driver's nickname was Auto Man so shout out to Auto Man if we ever listens. <laughs> and I remember I remember we we're in the middle of a snowstorm going up and down these hills and they were like you know like 90 degree corners and you go back and yeah. forth and back and forth and I remember thinking that too I'm like I don't know I like I'm I'm tired of worrying about it because I can't tell if we're going to make it down this hill or not right but yeah. old Auto Man shout out to him cuz he always found a way to get us home safely. And, I mean, all the bus drivers do, man. It's it's funny that... I, it,
0: I don't know how they do it. I don't know. Do I don't know.
1: Lots of coffee and cigarettes.
0: I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I, I just... For me, when, I guess what I tell people, I love playing pro. Pro's been uh, so much fun. But I, if you talk to most guys, their best memories are unless they've won a Stanley cup or whatever in in professional hockey, I think their best memories are junior hockey. And I just, you have no other worries. Usually you're a little bit older. You're 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever you are. And so you're not really worried about school. You're not worried about working. All you want to do is just hang out with the boys and play hockey. And uh, it's just a blast. And so I still keep in contact with a bunch of guys from Chilliwack and, and guys from uh, Camrose and it's just, it's, it's such a fun time. And so uh, I have great memories from, from playing there.
1: I, uh, I, I can share that uh, sentiment. Uh, there's a special thing about those junior years because everybody's relatively the same age, not married, no kids, no <laughs> cares, right? I mean, you got no four, worries.
0: There's no worries. There's
1: no worries. You got four kids in the middle of, of a pandemic. How, how are things going with uh, four kids? How old are your kids, Nick?
0: Uh, my, my oldest is nine. Uh, Carter is my second oldest. He'll be seven in the beginning of January. Then my daughter just turned six. And then my youngest is two. So,
1: so that's a busy house.
0: Oh, no, five. Sorry, my daughter just turned five. Yeah. I can't even remember. Yeah, it you can't keep
1: track of them. Can't keep <laughs> yeah. track of
0: them. Half the time, I don't even know their names. Like, you! You! Get over here! So, no, I mean... I just, it's such a blast. It's obviously a lot different than when I was in junior, but it's just about having fun with wherever you are, whatever situation you're in. And, um, I was, I was able to marry somebody that has as much fun as I do in in every situation because we've been in, uh, in and around everywhere. So, uh, we've had a lot of fun.
1: Well, you've been, you've been across the continent is what you've been like. I mean, yeah. When, yep. when you're playing in Chilliwack, how does, how does Syracuse happen? How does the Columbus come knocking? Like, is that just something that, cause you, you, you talked a lot about wanting to go to school, did something just happen and all of a sudden you had some NHL offers come in? Like I read one story that said you went to the Oilers training camp. Is that true?
0: Yeah. So, uh, coming out from Camrose when I, when I was there, it was, it was really a, Okay, I think I could get a, a scholarship to a good school, and then got traded to Shirt Park. Started my apprenticeship as a plumber. It was like, okay, you know what? Let's take hockey as far as we can. Went down to Chilliwack my first year there when I was I was a 19-year-old rookie. Um, I got to play a ton. It was they Jim Hiller, Dan Price were my coaches there, and Jim Hiller's now in uh, with the Islanders. Was with Babcock in Toronto. Um, I think he was in Detroit with Babcock and it, he just, he just played me so much and gave me every opportunity to, to, to play every situation uh, and really let me kind of develop as a player. And so without, without the opportunity those guys gave me, I don't think I would have been seen because obviously usually the guys on good teams are the ones that uh, can get some, some extra looks and stuff like that. And so, uh, maybe it was because we were playing the Giants all the time that we had extra scouts in the building and I, they noticed that I wasn't getting beat every time. So, uh, just
1: letting Luchich go in the corner first.
0: Yeah, exactly. You go, you go. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, after my 19 year, um, I got to go to Edmonton's rookie camp, uh, which was awesome. Great experience. Who, uh, who, that if- was
1: if you don't mind me asking, who would have been there at that rookie camp? I'm just, you know, oiler country here. You got my fan. Yeah, yeah, going. yeah.
0: Uh, it was. I want to say it was gone It was Gagne's draft year. I think it was the year he he went in the. Did he go in the first round? He,
1: yeah, he went in the first round. Absolutely, he did. I think
0: so. Okay, okay So It was. I think it was his year because he didn't play in rookie camp, but he came and like dropped the puck or something like that because I mean, the rookies always play U of A. Right. And and I got to play in that game and I think he dropped the puck for that game. He wasn't he didn't I don't know why he didn't do rookie camp, but he he dropped the puck for the game. Um, he was taken just
1: just just for your brain, that's your Patrick Kane was taken first overall and Sam Gagne was
0: number five. Okay. Great hockey brain right there. Or I'll be on the internet. No, I'm totally
1: (laughs) hey man, I was that's why I'm like, 2007, geez, that doesn't sound that long ago. But that's 13 years ago, so it's actually quite a while ago. So, yeah, 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 that's Sam Ganya.
0: Yeah, on, I keep, every time, every time I, I do something where I'm like, oh, yeah, I was in Chilliwack, and people are like, Chilliwack, when were they in the, dump? I was like, uh, whoa, I guess I'm starting to date myself a little bit here. Still feel like I'm 18. Uh, so, yeah, I was at their camp, and it was, honestly, it was the best thing, obviously, being from around Edmonton, it was like. I got to, we, the camp was up in Yellowknife. Uh, I don't know why they had it up there that year, but got to go up there, get my first taste of kind of playing against guys that uh, NHL organizations were really recognizing uh, to be kind of prospects or or good players. And so went up there and I felt like I had a really good camp. And then my next year going into, uh, into Chilliwack as a 20 year old, I just, I felt so good, and my coach uh, after the year he kind of just told me he said, you know what, Nick, Um, or maybe even a couple years after, he was just like, you know what, that year you were almost like a man amongst boys in that in that year, (laughs) and then I'm like thinking to myself after I'm like, well, I was a 20 year old, I was a man amongst (laughs) like (laughs) I should have (laughs) been, because everyone else is 17, 18 years old, but. I'd I'd really never started like training and, and physically developing uh, until I kind of went to, uh, to Chilliwack. So I started training with a trainer and, and stuff like that. And so uh, felt great. My 20 year old year, again, our power play was really good. I had some great players on that team, Mark Santarelli, Oscar Moeller, um, who just, our power play was lights out. And so I ended up, scoring I think 22 goals uh that year and so I had at the end of the year it was like I had three off or I had a few more offers but I had three that were all the exact same offers and so as a free agent I could kind of choose where I I wanted to sign and it was Toronto they had no GM at the time and I was like not sure talking to my agent I'm like I'm not sure it's great to sign with a team that doesn't have a GM because whoever's coming in might not like you and then the other team was the New York Rangers and I said I think I think that's it I think we're going to go with the Rangers they had said okay you're going to go to the minors play a few years develop but then once you're developed we bring our guys up which they had a track record of doing they were bringing guys up from the minors after a few years of getting them groomed so I was like yep that's my decision. Told my coaches in Chilliwack, I said, you know what, guys, I'm, I'm signing with uh, with the Rangers. Went home that night. Not sure what changed in my mind, but I was like, okay, maybe I can get in the NHL faster if I go to Columbus. <laughs> and and New York City scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'm going to Columbus. And so the next day I went back in, I'm like, ah, gotcha, I'm going to Columbus. And my coach is like, what, what happened? Whatever. And so we ended up signing with Columbus. Um, and right after the season, we lost out to Vancouver within a couple days. I think I was on my way to, uh, to Syracuse because they were still playing. And when I get there, I think they were on like a 20 game winning streak. And they're like, the coach is like, Hey, you're just going to practice for a little bit just to get kind of up to speed. And then we'll get you into a game. And they keep winning. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want to get into a game because if we lose it, I'm in this game, like, dang. It. <laughs> and so it was, it was the going from <laughs> junior hockey to professional hockey in Syracuse, New York. The first guy I met, I walk in the, the rink there, it's called the war Memorial. It's this, super old rink and the so they're up the dressing room is upstairs where you actually get dressed to go on the ice but their locker room weight room is down under in like the basement and so i walk into the locker room with my bag over my shoulder the first guy i see is zenon kanopka (laughs) and and kanopka awesome guy but his face is like his nose he's been through war and so and, and fought the toughest people ever. And so I walk in straight from Chilliwack, got my bag and I walk in and I see him and I'm like, Holy, sh-. like, what am I getting myself into here? And he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> Try to mock you <laughs> up a little bit. I'm oh, doing good. How are you doing? And so we ended up, I played one game that year. They lost in the second round uh, to Toronto the Marlies and then the following year go into camp Columbus is they're pretty high on me and so i had spent the summer in Columbus uh training and they were it was I think there was like six or seven guys uh Chris Russell, Derek Dorsett, Tom Sestito, Jared Boll, myself I lived in a house with Jacob Borachek and and Derek Brassard.
1: How was how was that?
0: It was, it was wild because I'm, I was, I'm like right in the middle where, so me and Broussard are the same age, but I'd, I'd started uh, dating my wife at the time and Broussard was uh, single. Borchek was 18, had a girlfriend in, in the Czech Republic. And so he would be on Skype every night talking, eating his M&Ms all the time. I would be just like, whoa, what's going on here? Broussard had played a year of professional already, and so he, he kind of knew what was going on. Uh, it was hilarious because Broussard was the only guy with a car, and so me and Jake would have to get up in the morning and go with him. But Brass, for some reason, he just loved to uh, crank his music, and he would have, like, pop music going, but just cranked. Windows down, cranked. And we're cruising in Columbus, which was dead in the summer. The like Ohio State isn't; no one's really there. Cranked his music, windows down, like we're impressing people. And I'm like, I'm kind of cold. Can we roll the windows up here? Like, what's going on? But it was a that summer was a blast. Uh, living you with those guys, you end up
1: spending is it six seasons in in the in the A? I
0: had five. 5. Years. Yeah. And did
1: you get to play 3 of those with uh nasty John Murasty?
0: Uh I only got two. I think it was only two. The reason I, think I he ever The reason I don't I, he came, I don't think he came to Springfield. I think he was only in Syracuse.
1: The the reason I ask is uh so I, uh, Hill, uh, no, I'm pointing there but it's not there. It's in front of my head. Hillmond uh, is my hometown. Wade ren's hometown. And we have a senior there, so we we. I, when I first got back, I was playing senior for Helmond, and Metal Lake came in our league, and they had. Well, John Morasti's played the last two years against us, I think it is. So I had him on the podcast, and he was talking about the days in Syracuse and how wild it was. And I okay, so
0: let me let me speak to that real quick. So that year that I came up, <laughs> when they were on their, like twenty games, so it was Kanopka, Dorset, Sestido – and Marasti were like their fighters, whatever. Tough guys. He, uh, Konofka told these guys if anybody crosses the red line, you go after them <laughs> in warm up. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think that year they had like three or four warm up, not fights or brawls, but like uh, a little bit of a skirmish because somebody would just cross over the red line. And it was just like the most intimidating, the war memorial, the tight rank. And so it's just super intimidating. You have all these guys, uh, yeah, Mrafty, but sorry, continue with, uh, no, Mrafty. no, I, I
1: wanted, I wanted yeah. to know he, uh, he just talked, uh, about his time in Syracuse. Obviously he, he enjoyed what you're talking about. He enjoyed that part of the game. He still enjoys that part of the game. Although, I mean, now in senior, he's definitely, uh, I mean, I don't think he got in a fight all last year. I could be wrong, but um, yeah. I, I just heard the stories of all the names you just rattled off and how mean these guys were, or how like intimidating, I guess I should say, no, not mean. And you're the guy sitting there as a young kid getting to be a part of this. I, I assume yeah,
0: it, it, your eyes it must wild. have been wide. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. It was, uh, so when I got into the AHL, our division was, Uh, Binghamton, Rochester, Toronto, Hamilton, and Winnipeg, uh, and Grand Rapids. (laughs) Binghamton, so we had all those guys, but then the next year, Dorsett made Columbus. Kanopka was, uh, I think, in Columbus. Uh, Sustito was still there. Morasti was still there. And then they would always, Syracuse, their owner, always wanted to have a little bit of meat in the lineup. And so he would always sign guys just to meet it up a little bit well Binghamton had Yablonsky, like their head super heavy was Yablonski. uh Rochester had McIntyre um who Lassard was in Portland like every team in in our area just had a super heavy and these guys would fight each other and you're just like oh
1: oh
0: oh and it, I just remember when uh morassi and yablonski used to fight each other because we'd play bingo i think eight times a year and they would fight each other and it would literally just like they would go to center ice and they'd just be like (sighs) as fast as they can they're hitting each other just straight in the face boom 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 and then they would yell at each other they'd be like okay switch and they would switch ads One, the other one they'd go left (laughs) <laughs> they would just be hitting each other, and then it would be like they would stop because neither of them would go down, and neither of them, <laughs> neither of them bled, and so they would just stop. Linesmen would break them up. I just remember the one game we were in uh, Binghamton, and there was always a huge rivalry. We'd always have tons of fights, all this stuff. It's at the end of a period, and it turned into a melee because our goalie was cross. It was after the second; our goalie had to cross their bench because their bench had to cross the ice to get into the corner to get off the ice. Well, as they're crossing, our goalie's crossing, whatever, bumps, and then everybody, there's like a huge melee going on. Everybody's on the ice, and then all of a sudden, you know how, like, goalie fights usually stop a, a brawl? Like, everyone just starts watching that? Yeah. Well, these two do what they do. They go to set, set ice, and then both teams just line up on the blue line. <laughs> It was like an award ceremony at the end of a game. Everybody's lined up on the blue line. And these two are just squared up at sunrise, getting ready to go. And then they just grab on. Boom, 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 boom. Grab, switch. Boom, 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 boom. And we're all just like, what is going? Like, how does that not hurt your face? Like, what is going on here? But, yeah, I, yeah he's a he's a great guy. They love doing it. And so, uh it was just funny times, funny memories.
1: In your five years of being in the A, did you ever, um, uh, get frustrated? I, I, maybe there's a different word for it, but that seems like maybe I'm wrong. That seems like a long time to percolate, but maybe that was exactly what you needed. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, uh, for, for me, my, uh, my belief is that, uh, you, you are where you're meant to be, uh me god has a plan for me and and that's what it was and so it was like at the time i didn't see that uh i was sitting in in syracuse uh my first two years pro and i was i was loving playing and being in every situation uh they columbus at that time um was still not very good and so what i thought when i signed with them was that okay, if I played well, I would be able to get an opportunity and, and maybe make, it, make the team. But what I didn't understand is that when the team wasn't very good, they kept signing guys, NHL guys, to try and fill those spots instead of giving guys chances because they wanted to be better. And so it always kind of, like, pushed you down a couple uh, pegs. And so it was like – I don't know if my first couple of years I got frustrated – um, I think I got more frustrated with with the coaches down in the A at some point because they kept trying to uh, make me kind of play meaner. Like I'm a pretty big guy and I didn't have a real I don't have a real edge to my game. And so they would always try and be like, "You gotta be tougher in front of the net. If a guy comes in, you gotta cross check him. You gotta slash him and all this stuff." And so there were times after practices they would just be like yelling at me about something and i'm just like what do you want and i just like blow my top and freak out for no reason and it's just immaturity at that time um but then as we we transitioned uh it was like i was so close my first couple years i felt um to getting into the nhl and then when i went to syracuse as a player i was getting way better I was still playing top minutes, power play, penalty kill, all this stuff. I wasn't getting called really called up much, um, but I was still playing big minutes, developing as a player. Um, my, I think it was my first year, maybe it was my second year in, in Springfield. I had an unbelievable camp in Columbus. Got sent down because they had too many NHL defensemen was having a great year in the minors ended up a uh, high ankle sprain. Um, the guy I went to get hit a guy, he like chop blocked me high ankle sprain missed a month. I rushed back. I tried to uh, wear like this plastic brace inside my skate first game back uh, dislocate my shoulder need, need uh, surgery. My year's done. And I'm just like, yeah, And then the next year and the next year, it was like, they gave me little opportunities and I didn't, I didn't play as well as I probably should have to be able to stick. And so uh, as much as they didn't give me opportunities, I didn't do anything with the small opportunity they did give me. And so, uh, again, it just gave me opportunity to develop play in every situation and um, play in springfield for three years which looking back now um was wild my my first child was like my oldest guy was born there uh, me and my wife lived there uh, for three years and uh again i think the minors is probably the AHL might be the hardest league i think uh it's playing because you have guys that in the NHL, everybody wants to be on the NHL team. Everybody wants to give everything they got to help that team win. But in the minors, you have the, the top guys that don't really want to be there. They want to be in the NHL. You have the bottom guys that are usually getting called up and down from the coast. They're on PTOs. So they're trying to make themselves look good so that they can get a contract in the AHL. And then you have kind of the, the core group, which is trying to win – for that team. And so I find it, uh, away from the rink way better because you're, nobody really has much money. Uh, you're just relying on each other, very tight knit that way, but on the ice, the hockey side of it, uh, it's all, I don't want to say really selfish, but you're looking out trying to get yourself advanced. You're trying to get yourself a contract. You're trying to get yourself to the NHL. And so, sometimes that would play out um, in the in the AHL where you're like oh man like what's this guy doing or you get guys that are like kind of negative sometimes like oh why are they calling that guy up like I'm having a better year than he is And, and so I was fortunate that I guess over my year every year that I stayed in the AHL I started to realize this and so my mindset changed from oh, why is that guy getting an opportunity? And I'm not to, okay, I'm going to just do what I can. I'm going to control what I can control. And if I get an opportunity, I'm going to try and do my best with it. And if I don't, I got to keep playing well so that I can get uh, another contract maybe somewhere else or uh, with Columbus again. So uh, the AHL definitely, uh, I would say, the hardest league to play in.
1: And that's uh... – I think you used the word maturity just over time. You started to realize, and some guys figure that out and other guys don't. And it's probably yeah. why you're sitting where you're sitting now is that you figured it out and continued to improve. I mean, it makes sense yeah. to
0: me. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, like I just said, was just like my mindset when I I flipped it to, don't worry about what you can't control. I can't control how much ice time my coach is going to give me. I can't control how many opportunities I'm going to get from the, from the GM or from this organization, I can control how hard I'm working and, and my play. And if that's not good enough for them, then unfortunately it's not good enough for them, but I'm going to give you everything I got. And so I think that has helped me uh, because I'll give you everything I got, whether it's in practice for 20 minutes or during the game, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can and I'm not always the fastest, but I'm going as fast as I can. And I'm, my shot isn't, isn't, isn't very good, but I'm still shooting as hard as I can. And you know what, I'm just giving you everything I got. So I'm glad, uh, that I've been able to continue to fool people here for, for a few years.
1: Fool people. I like that. Yeah, I bet. Um, (laughs) let's talk about the Colorado avalanche, that team, that you uh signed with in 2013 uh you're walking onto a roster i was i was looking at it today i'm like oh yeah i forgot how good they were right i mean young but yeah. like talent oozing out of the ears i just wrote down a couple of the names dushane Landeskog, o'reilly mckinnon stastny tyson berry just to name a, a, a quick few yeah. nick
0: holden nick holden nick holden no big deal <laughs> Bar- Barlamov was our goal. In net, that, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: Wh- uh what was what was the sales pitch or wh- they just wanted you to come in or how do you land on that team? How do you land in
0: Colorado? So what what happened was I'd spent 5 years with Columbus. At the end of my year in meeting, it was like I knew I was gone. They were saying you're gone. And so going in, it was going to be my first time ever uh, with free agency. And so I'm like, how's this going to work? What are you, all this stuff? I, you're kind of nervous. You're like, have I played well enough for teams to really be interested in you? And so July 1st, I, so I've gone through July 1st where it was the old style where you just, you had like a two hour window to talk to teams and then you signed. And then I went through um, the with Vegas. Day. Where yeah, the five day one, and it was the five day was way worse. Way, way worse. worse. Oh, way worse. That, that benefited the club way more than it benefited the player. And so how how so, first, how so how so? Well, well, so when when they do the two hour window, uh, it's almost like they they give you the best they got we want you and we have a short amount of time because if you don't want to come here, we got to move on. Well, with the five days, they're like, they kind of poke in and out. It's like, Hey, or they just say, Hey, this is what we got. Take it or leave it. If you're leaving it, we're moving on. But they have days to keep going with guys where they only have hours the other way. And so I found it, uh, it was stressful because you had to make a decision faster, but. The money was better. I would I've never been in a situation that the, <laughs> the money is like, obviously I'm making, I I've made good money over my career and I'm never going to say anything about that because it doesn't matter what you make in the NHL, you're making a ton of money, but to say the money was better. I don't know <laughs> if I'd say that, but for other guys, yeah, that would play into it for sure. Like a guy making 2 million to a guy making 4 million. I think guys that, in the old way that they did it would make more if than it, the way that they did it before. Cause I had teams uh, the second time around uh, when they had that five day teams would just be like, ah, oh, we got a, we got million, uh, a two-year deal, million dollars, a two year deal, million dollars a year. Just think about it. And then they would kind of leave you alone. And then other teams would poke in and be like, Hey, we got this for you. They wouldn't come at you with their best offer. They would kind of give you that and see if anybody would bite on it. So I'm sure they had like a handful of guys. It's like, okay, we'd like to have that guy. If he takes this great, but if he doesn't, Oh, we'll move on to the next guy. Somebody will take it. And so, so why
1: Colorado then?
0: So I had talked to, uh, I had Hitchcock in, um, in Columbus. My first two years, he got fired my second year. Uh, he was in St. Louis. Winnipeg. So it's kind of Winnipeg, St. Louis, Colorado, were the, were the teams that were talking to me. And I was just hitched that kind of said, you'll be in the minors, but I think you'll come up and you'll play uh, Winnipeg. They had a good like talk with me and stuff like that, but then Colorado was talking to my agent, Patrick wall was coming in. They had a really young, good team. And. <laughs> I just said, I'm like, you know what? I signed a two-year, two-way. And I said, my first year, if I can go into camp, have a really good camp. I was 20, I would have been 26 at the time, I think. 25 or 26. I said, you know what? If I can go into camp, have a good camp, and then they'll send me down, play good in the minors, maybe get called up a little bit. And then maybe the next year I can stick in the NHL my second year and then hopefully sign a one-way after that. And, and so that was my thinking. Cause I just, with Patrick wall coming in, I was like, okay, everyone's starting fresh here. It's not like he has his fa- like guys that he likes already and fresh guys. And he had kind of talked with my agent and said, you know what? I don't really like some of the defensemen they have here. So we might try and move them. So there might be opportunity for them. And so that kind of was like, okay. And I was okay going down. Uh, hopefully to come back up. But I just remember when I went first went there. this training camp was so hard. It was like it was like a junior. He was still running the the ramparts. He was just like bag skating us at at the end of every practice. Our practices were like an hour and a half long, just hitting each other, and it was just like Columbus. They did they we had hard camps and hard fitness testing, but I up until that point I had. N- never seen anything like this, but I had never been in the NHL. And I thought this was my real opportunity to be there. And so I don't even remember how sore or tired I was. It was just like, just stick, go like every day. Okay. I'm still here. Keep going. I'm still here. Keep going. And so I just remember when he said, okay, you're, you're sticking around. Uh, it was me and Nate Gannon had both were kind of minor league guys. And we both stuck. And he's like, um, I'm starting Nate in the in the first game of the year, but we'll rotate you guys. You're gonna have a little rotation. Well, we won our first eleven games of the year. And he's a very superstitious guy. And so he's like, I can't take it or I can't take Nate out of the lineup right now. Like we're winning. I'm like, I don't care. I'm still here. You do whatever you want. And so he just kept rolling, rolling, rolling. And then one day in practice, so I, I think I've gone a month. Without playing yet, and he he comes up to me after practice, maybe maybe before practice, we're playing Dallas the next day in Dallas, and he goes, "Hey, have you ever played forward?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah, I, I played in the minors a little bit. They used to throw me up front." He goes, "Perfect, you're in tomorrow." <laughs> I had played forward since Adam Hockey. <laughs> I just so wanted you- to play. I'm like,
1: sure. That's-
0: Who did you play the line with? Um, oh, I can't, I can't, honestly, I don't remember who would have been on my line. You're telling
1: me you make the team out of training camp. Yeah. Decides to go with somebody else and says, you're going to switch. Then you win 11 yeah. straight games. So you don't play in yeah. 11 because superstitious because he's Patrick freaking law. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And then in
1: game 12, you start as a forward.
0: In Dallas. And they interviewed me before the game and they're like, so uh, how are you feeling about playing forward? Like, what what's your thoughts? And I go, I'm just gonna get the puck deep and hit somebody. <laughs> like, <clears throat> what do you mean? What am I thinking? I just want to hit, get out there. Like, let's go. And so, yeah, my first game was forward in, uh, against Dallas, and then I think I started playing during the season. Uh, they start putting me on the power play, different situations. O'Reilly kept finding me back door, and I like would have my stick on on the ice and it would just hit my stick and go in and i scored a few goals uh that way and then ended up having a good year and a good playoff and then i ended up signing a three-year extension uh that summer well with them y-
1: your your first goal comes against a hometown hero here i read your first goal is against mr holpe you remember that
0: Yeah, sniped him sniped him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was in Colorado. Uh Landis cog came around the net and I was I i need to be within probably like eight feet at least of the net to score a goal. And so I started sneaking in a little bit down. He came around the net and popped it out and I went glove side on Holby and uh I just remember it was obviously as a kid you grow up thinking about scoring in the NHL and then when it really happens you're just elated and uh, just happy to be able to call my mom and dad, call my, my wife. And, or I think my wife was there, but talk to everybody and be like, ah! they were obviously all watching and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun.
1: Besides Patty Waugh being superstitious, what was he like as a coach?
0: I loved him. I absolutely loved him. And I might I might, my, my, my idea of him might be skewed a little bit because he gave me my first nhl opportunity and he really gave me an opportunity uh but i loved him he was he loves to win anything he does he wants to win And he, obviously as a player people saw that and then as a coach i think he showed his passion on the bench but nobody really got to see anything behind the scenes and so people always ask me that how about how was patty and i just he wanted to win and so he would do anything he wasn't he wasn't hard-headed at all. He wanted everybody's opinion. If, if you didn't like our forecheck, if you thought we were getting beat because our forecheck was wrong or you thought something was going to help our team win, he wanted to hear it. And so he in, in team meetings and team video, he would be doing X's and O's and telling you, okay, I want you here, 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 whatever. But then he would always ask for input. What do you guys think? What do you think? And so, I mean, we had some pretty uh, spectacular players. We had Hall of Famers, like we had Al Tangi on our team, Jerome McGinla for a year. And so, and then you had the young guys, Duchesne, uh, Landisgaard, McKinnon. And so it was just like hearing all these guys chime in and, and give their input, he listened to it. And that first year, obviously, I think the stars aligned for us and we scored a, a million goals, it seemed. Uh, And, and Barley stood on his head most nights. And so um, the way we lost to Minnesota was very disappointing, but um, super exciting first year. And then I think the second and third year, because Patty wanted to win uh, so much and he is so passionate about hockey, it started to like wear on him that we weren't winning really consistently and so he was just trying, he wanted to fix it. He wanted to fix it. What do I got to do to fix it? What do I got to do to fix it? And, and so I, I have nothing but good things to say, uh, about him, uh, as a coach. And he, you al- know, he always, uh, monum, he always called everyone monum, my friend. And, and so it was kind of, uh, a special thing for me because obviously growing up, uh, I love the, the, the Red Wings, but at the time, the Avalanche and the Red Wings were the two powerhouses. And so when I got to play uh, for Colorado for those three years, it was like Patty Waugh was my coach, Joe Sackick's my general manager, and then Adam Foote was around all the time. He was coming out on the ice all the time. Uh, and so it was just like almost like a dream team. And so it was like, this is unbelievable. And Denver so beautiful and unbelievable uh, city to play in and so uh it was fun yeah we had our family had a blast there had two kids there and so good memories there as well
1: i uh, was saying to dean when he first mentioned uh that he he texted me about you and i looked up your stats and i went colorado what? i wonder if he was playing the year colorado i I I couldn't remember if it was game six or game seven. And then obviously it was game seven in OT. I remember watching that because that was like, that's the way hockey should be. I mean, I know you wanted to win, but as a fan who doesn't really care if Colorado, well, actually I was pulling for you guys because you guys had all the young talent and yep. Patty won his crazy antics and it was great against Minnesota. That series was like, electric and i watched the highlights of it today again i'm like oh man game seven i remember that it's like oh colorado scored again they're gonna win nope there it goes in the net again holy crap but can't they just hold on to a lead like it was just like bang in the net bang in the net bang in the net back and forth and then an yeah, OT we, scored, winner. we
0: scored in the th- we scored in the third period with like 12 minutes left i think it was johnson scored and it wasn't like yeah okay we're gonna win this game but it was like like, yeah, let's, let's go. And then they scored and, it, and then when they scored in overtime, I think it was Nina Ryder. It was just like, it was almost like Wayburn again. It was like, <laughs> what, what just happened here? <laughs> like, damn. You know,
1: uh, you get into in the bubble this year with Vegas. And then if you look at that, uh, compared to playing uh, Game Seven in Colorado, you got a Game Seven in Boston. Uh, you went to the second round in New York. Am I missing anything here? I, I think those are probably the three the three big ones that come to mind. Yeah. I, I assume I, I'm pretty I, I pretty much assume you would take uh, going back to where fans are losing it in those buildings, and you score a goal, and the roof is coming off. What was playing in the bubble like? I mean, you guys go to the the conference finals you play against Dallas and uh, a goaltender that played mind-blowingly good.
0: Yeah. So I actually, when I played in Boston, me and Hadovan, we were on the plane. We sat with each other. And so I saw him the whole time throughout the bubble because we were all in the same areas. And so you'd see guys all the time. And so I'd be joking with them all the time, even during the series. Like if I saw him off the ice, I'm like, just let me score one, like just giving it to him. And um, yeah, he, obviously I want to win. I am a super competitor, but for him to, to play as well as he did, uh, it was awesome to see that because obviously he's, I think he's an awesome guy. Um, but the bubble, for me, it was like the NHL did probably the very best that they could. That's, they tried to give us an atmosphere, which didn't really work. But there was they were trying. They were giving us little crowd noises and stuff like that. But nothing replicates 18,000 people in a building just making your skin tingle and you score a goal in the place. Like you said, the roof pops off or – there's a huge scrum and people are screaming and whatever, or you're coming off the ice as a visiting team and they're screaming at you, just losing it and throwing beer at you and stuff like that. There's nothing like that. And so um, I think that was probably the, the only thing that was missing. I think the NHL did a great job setting up uh, activities for us to do uh, for the ice crews that kept the ice in very good condition, uh, giving us opportunity to have, some sort of atmosphere. I think they did a great job. Uh, I think the teams did a really good job. I th- I thought the, just the the competitiveness, nobody kind of was there just to be there, uh, which was obviously you're in the NHL and you're trying to win the Stanley Cup. And so you would hope that's not the case, but you never know in this crazy, wacky situation that we were in. And so, um I think for me it was like the when you first get there you're just so excited, something new, and uh, you hadn't played hockey in a while, and so uh, just being in the bubble was, was exciting and and new and whatever. And then uh, as it went on, uh, things it was just kind of like the same day over, and you walk the exact same walk you go get Timmy's at the exact same time. <laughs> like, it was honestly like clockwork. It was just. And so as it went on, I think guys kind of just started to get almost like robots a little bit. And then the hockey side of it, I mean, for the most part, we're professionals. And so we're able to dial in and, and play well, but outside of the hockey, um, where at the beginning, like I said, it was something new and, kind of exciting it kind of began like being not as much fun (laughs) and you're kind of like man i'm kind of starting to miss my family and and the guys just started staying in their rooms a little bit more because they didn't want to come down and play mario kart again and (laughs) watch a movie and do the little things that kind of we had we were doing and so or play they had uh around the rink they actually had some virtual golf set up and so the first like 30 days, it was like, this is awesome. You're almost playing virtual golf every day. But then after that, you again, you're just kind of like, okay, I don't know if I want to go play virtual golf again. Well, how many okay. days,
1: how many days were you in the bubble?
0: I can't remember exactly, but I want to say mid fifties. I think we we're in there 50 some days. And so, uh, it was, it went by just like anything else. It goes by fast when you're in it. It's kind of slow, but once you start to get to the end or get out of it, it's you're done. And it's like, Whoa, I was just in here for 55 days. And it's like, what? Is, how fast did that go? Um, but yeah, during the time, like I said, at the end, it started to get a little bit longer where you're just sitting there trying to fill your time with something.
1: Well, I just think, you know, uh, as for fans, I, I, I always uh, we, we talk about it all the time. I, I kind of rather enjoyed the morning games and the afternoon games. Uh, when you had hockey all day long first round in the NHL playoffs, nothing compares to it in my mind in any sport. It is awesome. The only thing that I enjoyed about this year was that you could actually watch multiple games because when the first round's normally going on, it's like you got eight games going off simultaneously and you're kind of like yeah. trying to pay attention and you can't and you yeah. miss really good hockey. Uh, yeah. Not sitting here saying I watched every game this year because that'd be dang near impossible. But uh, this year was kind of cool that way. Um, with you, once again, I go back through your career and I think you got to experience Madison Square going nuts. You got to experience the Gardens going nuts. Yeah, to experience I got Vegas my, my going nuts, Colorado going nuts. Like I think of where you've been and you know uh, i i assume you're like most hockey players you want to play in the same place for 20 years and have the jersey hung and and whatever but if you're going to bounce around you might as well bounce around like
0: that like i mean you know what i've i have been so blessed that my career has gone the way it has and like i said my wife has been so supportive um and for somebody she is a super homebody like super homebody and it's for <laughs> our path that we have taken, I keep moving her every couple of years. It's like <laughs> she has done so good with, with all of this stuff and taking care of the kids and getting them re the kids are very resilient. I, 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 understand that, but, uh, just getting back into schools and sports and Oh, we just got traded to New York in the summertime at the draft. Well, we got to figure out where we're living schools, all this stuff. Okay. Go and then get traded to Boston. She was pregnant, and it was probably the worst time ever because her pregnancy was going terribly. She was, like, puking all the time. She couldn't eat, and I get traded. I knew I was getting traded because the Rangers kind of told us, hey, we're blowing this team up, and so we were all just sitting there waiting, and so I was the first to fall, and then a bunch of guys went after me, but I just remember getting the... Angie and the kids actually were coming home uh, and we're sitting around the table and we're in, we're in our house and I go to the kids, I go, you know what guys, when you guys come back, I'm probably not going to be here. Cause they were going home for 10 days. I go, yeah, I'm probably not going to be here. Uh, and my oldest guy goes, can you just quit hockey? already? <laughs> <clears throat> and, it, and like that side of it, I felt terrible. I'm like, Oh man, I'm so sorry so but luckily it was the best place to get traded to boston contender uh only like a three-hour drive from where we were living just outside new york and so Angie and the kids just stayed there they were in school and sports and stuff and then they would drive up on weekends if we were home and what was strapping just, on
1: what was strapping on the b like
0: it, <laughs> Strapping it on it was wild because like you talked about all those teams. When I first put on Columbus, different story because newer franchise, all that stuff. Absolutely. But it was my first NHL. True, true. And so it was super special for me. Then I go to Colorado, obviously such a fairly new team as well but 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 they history. got rich, rich history. history you already mentioned
1: yeah. sack like and Wan. foot like yeah. it's just like yeah you got drome exactly. drome freaking again walking around the dressing room like
0: yeah, yeah i get it yeah exactly and so putting that jersey on i'm like whoa this is awesome getting traded to the rangers i don't know if there's a nicer blue than rangers blue it's just fine. Well, yeah, you're just it's,
1: once again, you're it's talking so history. You're talking history, history.
0: again, right? I, the, I think it was my second year there. It may have been my first, but it was the 90th anniversary. I'm like, how sick is this? Like, They do such a good job with their uh, alumni, and so to start the year, they always have a golf tournament. And the, the guys that would come to this tournament, I'm just like, whoa. Whoa. whoa! <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And then uh, some of the guys that they had around the rig, like Adam Graves and Brian Leach and all these, I'm like, what is, like, what world am I living in right now? <laughs> like, this is crazy. And then when you're stepping out for the first time, Madison Square Garden, you step out on the ice and you're just like, holy geez. Because it's different playing as, a, as an away team. I mean, it's exciting, but I don't think you fully understand And feel the the uh, fan passion because I don't know if there's anywhere like New York fans, good and bad, they let you know. It's like how how so you yeah yeah. You'll be walking down the street and people be yelling at you like I always just remember because these guys always would chirp like themselves. It was like Mark Stoll, he would always be like, "Hey Stoll, go back to your rookie season." (laughs) Like (laughs) they're just chirping him. He's like an elite all-star defenseman and some guys chirped him because he maybe didn't play very good the game before. So yeah, it was just like, just good or bad. They just let you know. And, but they always supported the team. And so it was just a special time there. But yeah, then you get traded to Boston, which again, unbelievable history. So you're putting on a Bruins jersey and it's just, when you, I, I guess for me, it's like, I put on a Rangers jersey, so surreal. I put on a, a Bruins jersey. It's so surreal. But then when you get on the ice, you're just playing hockey.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's it, it's such a for me to say that it sounds stupid, but it's honestly like I'm just a kid just playing hockey. I don't
1: you know? think it, I don't think it sounds like, stupid at all. It, it makes it makes complete sense to me. Yeah. It makes complete sense.
0: I think one of my one of my favorite series that I ever played in um, was when I was with the Rangers. I mean, that Minnesota uh, Colorado series was awesome. My first taste of NHL playoffs. And obviously, the way it went so back and forth. And, but then when I was at the Rangers, a uh, first round we played Montreal.
1: Yeah. Original that, six.
0: Oh, yeah. That series was awesome. Montreal in the playoffs. I don't know if you can beat that. They get the flames all over the ice and people are screaming in French. And it's just, what did, what did, a, what did you think of that what do
1: you think of Vegas uh the 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 pre-game they got going there
0: Vegas is just like <laughs> just such a whole nother level they just so when i first so i coming from boston i knew i was talking to boston in the off season so july one again i talked to boston vegas came in kind of later and and they kind of said to me okay well we have a two-year deal for you. What are you thinking? You, we need to know because we're going to move on. And I was like, well, you guys just went to the finals. You have a sick, like a good team. Uh, I hadn't heard a bad thing about living there. You're the rink and the owner is unbelievable. I'm like, this is kind of a no-brainer. Like, let's we're coming back to the West. Like, it's nice to get our family back out to the West. And, and then the very first – I played in the first exhibition game in, uh, in the Fortress at T-Mobile, and it was honestly like, what is going on here? Like, I just played – I think it was like 11 years of exhibition games, and it was like, this is playoff atmosphere right now. Like, this, this place is buzzing. And I just – ever since then, like, every night it's the exact same. And, and some nights it's even louder and I don't understand how that happens. but the, the Vegas fans are just so passionate. You go, I go to drop my kids off at school and it's like two thirds of the people have Vegas hat, Vegas shirt, car decals and car license plates, like everything. It's just unbelievable. And it's just so crazy to think how, how fast, uh, Vegas has accepted and, and jumped on board here. And I think obviously their first season, uh, with everything that happened, the emotion from the October shooting, uh, how the team handled that, to obviously them making the final and, and everything like that, uh, brought a ton of people to the team, but I think the team has done an awesome job getting out and involved in the community. And so it's just super interlocked here. Uh, which is pretty cool to, to be at the point in my career uh, in such a unique situation, very young franchise, but probably one of the top franchises in the league right now that people want to be uh, on this team. And it's just, <laughs> for me, it's an unbelievable experience uh, and an honor to be part of this right now.
1: Yeah, uh, just going back to a comment you made there. Were you around when the October shooting happened? Then
0: I can't no, remember. No, so that was yeah, was that, that was their first year. The first I year. Was in, I was in New York. Yeah. What, at did, that time
1: did did uh, that cross your mind with the, you and the wife and the kids at all? Anything? Were you worried or concerned about that when when making the decision?
0: No, not at all. Um, I think coming from. <laughs> new york new york was probably again the scariest place but so i would say the scariest but the best it was like i, I didn't understand how uh new york it just scared me so big the size the size of it the amount of people the subways the trains the cars just everything about it scared me when we were there uh, i think there was two or three terrorist attacks um and it was just um, amazing to see that city. The um, so one day we were coming in, uh, we're coming in on the train. because So I lived out in the suburbs and we'd have to take on game days. We, we pregame skated at MSG. And so you'd have to get on the train at a seven and it was like an hour train right into grand central station. And then you take a couple of subway trains to get to the garden. We're riding in on the train. And we're, I think we're halfway, a little more over there, halfway, and our phones start blowing up. And somebody, uh, there was like one of the terrorist uh, jacket bombers in one of the subway, I can't remember which one. And we're, I'm just kind of like, holy shit! Like, should we just go home or like, what's going on? Are we even gonna play tonight? Like, what's going on? I think it was, it was actually. So there was like in a day, there was a guy that uh, went down the West Side Highway in like a rented U-Haul and were hit, was hitting people, and then there was another guy an hour later in one of the subway tunnels or something like that. So we're coming in, and this was my first experience with any of this stuff, and I was just like, I didn't know what to do. But there was a group of four of us, and we just continued on. We got we got to um, Grand Central. From Grand Central, you just had to almost detour. It wasn't like everything was shut down. They just shut down the one track. The one or two tracks that were connected to with, with what happened, they shut that down. And so it was like, these people, through all this kind of crazy chaos, somebody attacking you, it's like, the way that they are so resilient, They're I, I, I think the mayor at the time, he said, Don't let them create fear in you continue on because that's what they want. They want to scare you. And so all these people, it was like their day, they were cognizant of it, but they didn't let it affect them to the point that they weren't going to work. They weren't going out all this stuff. And for me, it was like, what do you mean? Like, Holy cow. Like we should all be at home. Like kind of bunk hunker down here. Like, (laughs) Let this pass. Like, what happens if something else happens? And it was wild to see. We played that night, and fans came to the game. And obviously, we had a, a moment of silence and stuff for the people that were injured or, or killed at uh in that attack. But it was just a, a real eye opener for me uh, at how that city just just keeps pushing on, keeps moving. Yeah, it keeps moving. It is, it is wild. And obviously coming from Edmonton, St. Albert area, it was like <laughs> I, nothing I could ever have even thought of. And that was one of the things that I've, I've told a lot of people too is like playing in New York for those one and a half, two years, it was like how cool. Like how cool is this? I get to go home and we always joke we're going to end up um, living back home. And my kids are going to be in classes with, with kids that they're going to be like, yeah, we went to Winnipeg. It was awesome. And my kids have, my two of them were born in in Denver, lived in New York, lived in Boston, lived in Las Vegas. Like the places we have been because of hockey, Oh, we are so blessed to, to have all these opportunities. And it has just been the best ride ever. And so it's just, I'm very like I said, I'm very, very uh, fortunate to have a wife that is enjoying this ride as much as I am because guys always ask me, they're like, how do you have so much energy and how are you, like, happy? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, look at what we're doing. This is, look at where we are. This is amazing. So, well,
1: I uh, I really appreciate you hopping on. I, I, I kind of lost track of the time. I was laughing. I was having, um, enjo- yeah. enjoying myself. We've been going for... An hour and 20 minutes now. Uh, I want to do the Crude Master Final Five. It's the final little segment, five little questions, long or short as you want to go, Nick. Then I'll let you get back to your family. Uh, By the sounds of it, we're just going to have to do round two at some point uh, because I've been thoroughly enjoying this. But we'll save that for a different time. Let's do five quick ones. Shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald, uh, uh, supporters of the podcast since the very beginning. Uh, I always ask, uh, especially on a guy's first time on the podcast, if he could pick one guy to sit down and, and pick their brain like I'm doing you, uh, who would you take? Or past, present, uh, male, female, doesn't matter. Who would you want to sit down
0: with? Um, I think Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> this guy, like, I enjoy hockey, but I don't know if I've seen him uh, he looks like he is having a blast and obviously being from Russia and some of the stories I've heard from Russia and all that stuff I just it'd be interested to see and hear some of the stuff that he's got to say I'm sure there's better th- better guys to, to pick but I can't I put I right put now. you
1: on the spot and Ovechkin would be fun you know you'd have a good a good time Oh, you'd have a ready. great
0: time yeah
1: if you got traded tomorrow and could bring one guy with you who would you bring
0: bring one guy on my team now or somebody i've played with
1: oh um i was going to say your team now
0: yeah um my team now uh probably flurry he's a he's a guy that i our families are are pretty close and uh he's another guy that loves to to compete but have a really good time while doing it
1: I'm not gonna lie, I was really hoping uh, with the train rumors swirling that the Oilers might have gotten Marc Andre because I'd I've always appreciated his uh, demeanor and his style of play. He looks like a fun guy and he is talented.
0: Yeah, he's uh he's uh super fun and very fun to score on because it doesn't happen very often. So usually you celebrate pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> If you were
1: hired tomorrow, you're gonna get you're gonna Hollywood comes a knocking. They want to remake an old sports movie, and they're gonna star you as as the number one spot. So you could pick uh you know, Kevin Costner, Bull Durham, uh Paul Newman, Slapshot, Rob Lowe, Youngblood, Emilio Estevez, Mighty Ducks, Brad Pitt, Moneyball, uh Sylvester for Rocky, Sean Astin for Rudy, Charlie Sheen, Major League. I'm just spitting off a whole bunch of. <laughs> If you could yeah. take, could remake one of those parts, which one would you take, or or any sports movie for that matter? I think I I, think I
0: I think I would take Sanka in Cool Runnings.
1: In Cool Runnings, <laughs> <laughs> you dead yeah.
0: okay, you're dead man. Yeah, Sanka, you're dead man. Cool
1: Runnings. Yeah. There's a movie yeah. I haven't heard of in a long ass time.
0: Yeah, we've been okay. we've been trying to over quarantine. We started trying to watch some of the classic movies or classic that I think of uh, with the kids and they love cool runnings. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, on every other week, I think in our household right now.
1: That, that might be one of the best things about being a parent that you don't realize is that you get to introduce your kids to so many cool things and movies obviously being one of it. I just had the kids, uh, watch home alone for the first time. And like, they're obsessed. The our the sheer terror in my daughter, like she was so scared of uh the wet bandits. And I was like, oh, like it's gonna be okay, right? Like it's it's gonna yeah. be okay. But they were like yeah. on every word. Anyways, uh, uh cool yeah. runnings, cool, all right. Hardest player to uh shut down. Who's the who's the most talented guy coming at you that is just like he's good?
0: Yeah, um so obviously. Everybody knows McDavid. I think it's A, A, B for me. McDavid and McKinnon are probably right now the two most elite uh, skaters, puck handlers in our league. Uh, They can just beat you one-on-one, but they can also beat you passing it. And so I always laugh. I'm like, if you're playing those guys, you either have to have the tightest gap and try and get them right away or just start skating forward to your goal. Cause you, if you're any in between and they're picking up speed, they're just blowing past you. So those are the two guys, but in my career, the one guy that I hate playing against is Zach Parise. This guy, he's, he's fast enough and uh, skilled enough uh, that he can kind of work around you. But it's, this guy's effort level is – I've never seen anything like it. He'll have 10 shots in a game because he is getting rebounds everywhere. It's like you think you have him tied up, and he is getting the rebound. You think you have him in the corner tied up, and he's somehow rolling out of the pin you have him in. And so I used to hate when I was with Colorado, and we would play them all the time. It was like you're paired up against him, and you're just like, oh, man, this guy just doesn't stop. Most guys, it's like, if you get them to a point, they break and they stop. This guy has no breaking point. He just keeps going and going and going.
1: Question 4B, because I, uh, I, I, I see that I forgot to ask about it. I hated, I hate the Calgary Flames, but if there was one player the dang, I wish he had played for the Edmonton Oilers, it would have been Jerome McGinley. What was, what was having Jerome McGinley like in the locker room?
0: uh obviously at the point in his career that he was at he's starting to try and find teams that he can try and win with and so when he came to us in Colorado you saw obviously the talent and and everything that was there and so he was I'm from St. Albert he grew up in St. Albert and so growing up he's kind of a huge idol already and then it was just like the first couple times I saw him and met him and started talking to him. It was like, this for real, like he's really on my team right now. <laughs> Whoa. And then the more you play with them, I mean, I think the common denominator uh, with any elite player is just their determination and their passion to win. And, and Jerome, he shows that in everything he does he fights he scores he gives you everything he has and obviously just his leadership in our room was amazing he wasn't talking all the time because they didn't we didn't need him to be talking all the time but uh the, when he did talk obviously he was a guy that guys were like okay I'm gonna listen to this because he's uh
1: This is Jerome
0: bloody. And he might, and he might beat me up if I don't.
1: (laughs) Your final one then is you seem like a guy who likes to have fun. What is the best prank that you've seen pulled or pulled on someone?
0: Um, I don't know. Pranks are, pranks are hard. When I was with, um, when I was with Colorado, I'm not going to name names. I may or may not have been involved with this break, but we were in in Montreal. Gabe Landeskog was suspended uh, for a game. So he was missing. He had taken the trainers out uh, for supper, and then they were grabbing drinks after. So we knew we were playing the next day. So we knew he was going to be out later, and he did, wasn't playing. And so uh, <laughs> we had to go. Uh, we wanted to blow up his room. And so I I had to go down to the front desk and pretend I was him and say I lost my key. And so I go back to the front desk and I go, uh, hey, I'm uh, Gabe Ladisgog. I lost my key. And they're like, Oh, okay. And they asked what room I and I knew what room he was at. And this room, say ten twelve. Ten twelve. And they're like, uh, do you have ID? You uh, we have to check ID. I go, Oh, my wallet's in my room. I forgot it. And the lady goes, Okay. And they she goes, just one sec. I'll just check uh, uh, online picture. <laughs> so she types in on her internet, Gay Lanniscock. and then she goes, okay. And she gives me her key, and I just start dying. I'm like, oh my god, this really worked. And so we ended up blowing his room up, put his mattress in his a shower, stole all his bedding and pillows, so he had nothing. So he got back, I think like two or three in the morning. Obviously, probably drank a couple
1: so she wants to go
0: to just wants to go to bed <laughs> That's not, he had nothing to sleep with nothing and so i just the best part of that prank for me was that they thought i i looked like him and so i gave it to him i'm like are you kidding me look at this they thought this was you that is the biggest insult and so i just never lived a, let him live it down compliment for me all for him so
1: <laughs> well Nick yeah. I really appreciate you hopping on this has been a lot of fun um I, I hope I really hope in the new year you guys are back playing some hockey it'd be good to have it on the the TV and all the best uh you know in the coming uh you know in the coming future hopefully like I say we get to see some Vegas hockey again uh, hopefully the weather's beat up on you guys a little bit uh that's what I'd like to see no yeah. no offense Vegas is my number two, uh, the, the fans there look like they'd be a lot of fun, but you know, born and bred oiler fan, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to switch mid.
0: But, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. I don't think I've, uh, the Vegas, yeah, that atmosphere again, I'm just, I know I talked about it earlier, but you're think, saying,
1: you're saying if I come down and experience a game, it may change me for life. Is that what you're saying? Oh,
0: I, there are, the amount of people that come and they leave that going. Holy cow. Like it's just not, they've changed, they've changed hockey. Vegas has changed the way that it's, it's not just about hockey anymore. It's the entertainment of the whole package. It's the outside entertainment. It's inside. It's during uh, whistles, all that stuff. They've changed it because the the amount of teams now that are, are trying to put drum lines and uh, different things on the, the board that Vegas started is just, incredible how many people are trying to replicate that atmosphere and that energy in the rink and uh i think too it was hilarious i heard that uh the owner told the the person in charge of the entertainment he goes i don't because in warm-up and anytime music's playing it is so loud and it, <laughs> he said i don't want you if you're standing beside somebody i don't want you to be able to hear them talk <laughs> and so it's like a nightclub it's like it's just uh it's a good time
1: (laughs) well regardless thank you for hopping on here and sharing some stories about your career and your journey to where you are i think we got to do it again here at some point nick but uh i'll give you a reprieve let you uh go hang out with your family and just once again thanks for hopping on
0: yeah i appreciate it thanks for having me
1: hey folks thanks again for joining us today if you just stumble on the show and like what you hear please click subscribe Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.